Hello, hello, and welcome to Through the Lens, a podcast where we discuss cinema, TV, and media. I'm Ellen. And I'm Olivia. Thanks for joining us. Olivia, what's our movie for today? Well, Ellen, that's a great question. Today we are discussing the 1954 film Rear Window, directed by famous director Alfred Hitchcock. Yes, it is my favorite Alfred Hitchcock film. So here, let me read a synopsis of the film for you guys quick. So what we have here is the story of a recuperating news photographer who believes he has witnessed a murder. Confined to a wheelchair after an accident, he spends his time watching the occupants of neighboring apartments through a telephoto lens and binoculars and becomes convinced that a murder has taken place. It's a pretty good one. What? I said exciting. I know, very. Yeah, and uh, just we have a little change up. For this episode, folks, today we are doing a virtual recording of our episode um, just because of the, the COVID-19 pandemic. is We're just trying to be as safe as we can right now since we are both have work and other things. So we watched the movie virtually together, which was actually pretty... It worked out well, I, I think so. Yeah. Shout out Google Meets for that. Yeah, Ellen set up a Google Meets. And, uh, so I'm sitting here, sorry, I was taking a drink there, um, sitting here, I'm in my basement at home with my dog, Willie, and Ellen is in her St. Paul home, alone. No, I was kidding. Well, yeah. <laughs> um, but we're doing it, and I think it'll turn out okay. We're hoping to get together for our our holiday special episodes that we have coming up, but uh, we don't know yet, but we'll keep you uh, posted about that. But anyway, back to topic of the day, Rear Window. Um, the film stars a dashingly handsome, <laughs> astonishingly, astonishingly famous James Stewart and Grace Kelly. Um... Yeah, we we put a poll up on our Instagram with a picture of Alfred Hitchcock and James Stewart asking if you knew who they were, and not not a lot of people did, so we're here to, to shed light on that. Yes, uh, Alfred Hitchcock was the first picture, and Jimmy Stewart was the second. Yes. So for those of you who got it, Marta, shout out to Marta, as of right now at least. Congrats to you for knowing who Alfred Hitchcock was. And shout out to everyone else who didn't know who either <laughs> either were. It's okay though. It's okay. That's why that's why we're here. Alright. Ellen, let's start our discussion with what should we start with today? About cinematography. We'll start with that. Perfect. Obviously. Alfred Hitchcock is is known for his uh, fancy and innovative camera work for his time of filmmaking. He was one of those progressive filmmakers who was kind of um, out of the ordinary for his camera skills and showings. 
And the cinematographer for this film was Robert Burks. Um, I don't know if... I think he worked with him more than this film, but I'm not sure. Let me look. Yeah, I actually read that. Um, oh, yes. He worked with yep. him on a bunch of films. Yep, Vertigo, North by Northwest. The, usually these filmmakers like this, they have their special people that they stick to that know them and know their style. So pretty... Or not not very surprising, I guess. <laughs> mm-hmm. Anyway, so obviously this story is about um, a photographer. And um, so the use of lenses and such, binoculars, is very, um, very much so incorporated in this film. What do you think, Ellen? Yeah, for sure. I thought... They have some, like, I don't know if they're called long shots. I'm not really a camera person, but, like, towards the beginning of the general neighborhood, which I thought was interesting, but also, like, just a lot of panning point of view Mm -hmm. kind of shots. Like, you could see that it was from Jimmy Stewart's perspective, well, the character's perspective, but... Yeah, you you were correct about the long shot. It was, like, a long shot. It was a panning long shot where they kind of... It was like you were on this journey through their whole little little exclusive neighborhood there that I love. Um, and it's such a big part of the whole, the yeah. whole setup and the whole story. I think it's, yeah, it's, it's pretty genius if you ask me. Um, but <clears throat> back to the, the lenses and stuff. Um, so this is, this is kind of like a, a detective mystery type thriller. So, the use of lenses and, like, the the notion of spying is very evident in this. Um, so, that's why we have... There's a, there's a heavy use of this, this telephoto lens that the main character keeps pulling up to, like, use to spy. Because he, he puts it on his camera and then uses it to, like, get a closer look. And I think that was pretty cool how they... Um, how, how Robert and Alfred um, both, like use that part of the character as part of their cinematography. That's a good point. I hadn't really thought about it like that, but yeah. Yeah, I I, I enjoyed that part. Um, the whole... The whole film were, like, kind of spying on these neighbors, like, in the point of view of... Um, James Stewart's character, L.B. Jeffries. L.B. Jeff Jeffries. Um, <laughs> and uh, that those lenses that they ch- they choose to use, well, one through the binoculars. Obviously, we're not looking through an actual pair of binoculars, but they, I think they do a, a good job of seeming so with like the um, composition of the lenses and the shots and then with that telephoto lens I really enjoyed how the picture looked in there and all of that and um the compositions with because you have each apartment you know like each different like windows in each apartment and kind of the setup um especially with the the antagonist uh Lars Thorwald his apartment is like three separate rooms so, I like how we can only see part of what's going on in each of these, like, homes. Um, mm-hmm. 
through these windows. Like, you don't know what's going on behind this wall, only if he walks through. And I think it adds to the mystery and the the thriller-esque of this film. Mm-hmm, for sure. I feel like, also, it kind of emphasizes, in a way, like, throughout, he he's kind of, like, looking through all these windows and acting like he knows everything about these people. Yeah. Even though he has such a, like, it's clearly kind of, like, apathy, but just kind of general interest. Like, you're, like, at a zoo or something. Yeah, yeah. But... I just thought it, that was interesting because then it's like emphasizing that like once they're out of that view, they have a whole other part yeah. of their life sort of thing. True. Yeah, the, the way they film it with the lenses and the compositions of the apartments is like, yeah, we, we think we know what, we, what we're seeing, but we actually don't because of those closed doors and those closed windows and those walls that block probably at least 70% of our view of what we're seeing from those people's homes. So I really enjoyed the kind of mystery of the way they filmed this. And it's literally from, from one room. It's they're shooting until the end when they kind of go out outside of the room. But the whole 95% of the film is filmed from, uh, Jeffrey's, um, apartment window. So Mm -hmm. it's, it's, it can get, I mean, from my experience, if you have just a one location, like, it can get kind of boring at times, but I think they they made it interesting enough with the narrative that it, it didn't get old, that we were just sitting in one room, you know? Yeah, and I think that one thing that helped with that, too, is just, like, they did a good job of zooming on zooming in on the things that mattered like mm-hmm. a photographer would sort of so I feel like it kind of like draws your attention to the right things and given this movie is so much about just looking that's a really important thing yeah definitely and um you're right about that you have to pay attention to watch this movie because I mean the dialogue isn't as strong as the visuals one, because it's an Alfred Hitchcock film, and two, because it's just that mystery part, and because we're spying, you have to be able to pay attention to the the, the close-ups and the zooms and who we're looking at on the screen. But I think that, yeah, I think the cinematography was pretty marvelous in this one, as most Alfred Hitchcock films. I mean, have you seen... Vertigo and, like, Psycho and all those? I have not seen Vertigo. I have seen Psycho, though. Yeah, I love Psycho. I love the cinematography in that one, too. Mm-hmm. I just... You... Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> I was just gonna say, would you say, like, of his movies, cinematography is probably the area of strength for him, or... Yeah, I'd say cinematography and the editing. And... That's about it. I I mean I mean not that it he has the other areas are really weak, but he focuses more on composition types of shots and then kind of the editing pace. It just it, it's ahead of its time for the 1950s and 60s like this type of movie, this thriller and and uh, like the kind of the violence and stuff he put in his films was just unheard of and and he kind of started transforming um, 
cinema, the world of American cinema, and I guess international. I guess he um he was very international internationally renowned. But he started that change in the nineteen fifties and sixties from you know those. I mean, not to say that something's wrong with him, but with kind of the content wise and and the way th- stuff was shot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that was a good segue into our talk about directing. So. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Let's let's go ahead. So Alfred Hitchcock, he he is a, a very interesting man. That's for sure. Um, so he's from the UK. Actually, he was born in a small town in and by London in the UK and. He kind of progressed over to Hollywood cinema because he died in in Los Angeles. But um, he he is very known for his kind of like showmanship. Actually, like um, he before all of his movies are for his trailers. Um, he would do these promos where you know you know like a normal trailer where it's just like shows clips of the movie and then that's that he would appear in his trailers and kind of make it a little a teasing mystery um i remember in my film history class we were going to watch psycho and my professor showed us the the trailer for um psycho and it was like him on in the set of the house and he's like what happens a man like he's just kind of teasing like the story and the characters in a very thematic way and he's very much so a showmanship guy and he also had his show Alfred Hitchcock Presents which is where I think he kind of had this incorporated that showmanship into his filmmaking um but yeah he he's a very interesting guy in the way he kind of promotes his stuff he's a funny guy too he's pretty comedic hmm. but I didn't know about all of that. Yeah. I'll I'll probably uh I'll add in a little clip of what what his <laughs> trailer sounded like here. Good afternoon. Here we have a quiet little motel tucked away off the main highway. And as you see, perfectly harmless looking. When in fact it has now become known as the scene of the crime. This motel also has, as an adjunct, an old house, which is, if I may say so, a little more sinister looking, less innocent than the motel itself. And in this house, the most dire, horrible events took place. I think we can go inside because the place is up for sale, although I don't know who's going to buy it now. Okay, so that was that clip. Um, but yeah, so what? So now I can see what I was talking about, how he kind of shows up. He's like, are you ready for this story? Are you ready? It just was, it, it wasn't the normal type of thing, but I, I love it. I think he he is a very influential director and filmmaker for many. Um, Bong Joon-ho, one of his 
greatest influences he's said many times is Alfred Hitchcock. Um, can you see the connection there? I don't know. Like, Parasite and then looking at some of Alfred Hitchcock's films, I can see the thriller-esque and kind of the mystery and some of those, you know? That's really interesting. I'm trying to think. Could you talk a little bit more about that? Um, let me pull up Bong Joon-ho's discography. So, oh, have you seen Memories of Murder by him? I have not. Okay. That's kind of like a detective story, and so is Mother. Um, he he kind of takes um, kind of inspiration, I think, for these uh, mystery detective-esque stories from Alfred Hitchcock and some of the shots. So um, he, he is, I think he, I don't know if it was after this past year's Oscars that he said something about Alfred Hitchcock, but I remember I've heard it in many of my classes and from reading some stuff that he attributes Alfred Hitchcock um, to being one of his his idols and and <laughs> someone he looks up to in the filmmaking world. So I thought that was really like a cool connection to today's world of filmmaking. Yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah, I would imagine. I mean, I have heard a lot about Alfred Hitchcock and I'm not like a big film person at, for school or anything like that. So I, I would imagine he's an influence for a lot of yeah, directors nowadays. Definitely. He just has this kind of, um, I don't know how to explain it. Like, I don't know what the right words are to explain it, but like the way his movies feel, they just, they don't feel like they're from the 1950s, if that makes sense. Like they, for uh, trying to like Vertigo and Psycho, like those, they just feel. I don't know. <laughs> They're not as contained. I feel like as they should have been at that time. But I love it. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't know. Thanks yeah. to the creativity. Yeah, idea. very creative man. And, um, yeah. I don't know. Do you have anything else about directing you want to add, or should we move on? I think we can move on. I think you right. covered it nicely. Perfect. Uh, let's let's talk about editing. Let's cover that, and then we'll do acting, which seems to be... I think that's our favorite. Well, yeah, it is. <laughs> it's just fun to talk about characters fun. and stuff. But, um, okay, so editing. Um, you mentioned before that there's a lot of long shots, which is very true. Um, I think with this kind of film from the perspective of just an, an onlooking type of, like, we're spying on things. It's not as quick cut, unless there's, like, action with, with like, there was with the Mr. Thorwald. But there's a lot of just kind of watching slow pans. We're kind of going back and forth. And I think that helps build up the thrilling aspect of the film, like, is what he thinks is happening happening, or are we just being fooled like he is? Is it? Is it? <laughs> it's kind of a psychological like. Is this happening, or are you crazy? Are you? <laughs> are you imagining this? Imagining this all up in your head, but but yeah, the I really appreciate when at the end when they're doing the spying or when they're going over to 
to kind of investigate more. We go back and forth between um, the, the women, Lisa and Stella, and then uh, LB. And I think the quick cuts to get their reactions, the way it was, it was the timing of that was just perfect. I also enjoyed when he would send Stella out to go and we'd cut to her giving this just like reaction and he'd just be yeah. like, sitting there. Those were pretty funny. (laughs) And I think um, one of my favorite editing scenes was at the end when Thorwald has come into LB's apartment and is, like, questioning him and starting to walk towards him. And LB just flashes him as he uses his his camera flash (laughs) as a weapon. But I think, like, the special effects of that, you, you remember the... How it goes from, like, brown and, like, fades back into, like, the reality of what he can see. I think that was cool how they edited that. The flash and then him being, like, blinded and then his perspective. I think that was really cool. Yeah, that was really cool. What do you, do you you have any notes? I wonder how they would have done that. I'm curious, like. I know. I have to look into it because I don't really. I'm thinking maybe it was something with, uh taking the film and and maybe warping, you know? It had to have been something like mm-hmm. that because, I mean, it's not digital. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, I thought that was super cool and, and how they edited that thrilling scene as, like, the climax of the movie. It was fast-paced, but also it was, like, slow enough that you're like, ah, what's gonna happen? Yeah. So. I, I mean, think oh. one particular scene as far as like editing that stands out to me was when um lisa played by grace kelly who's also uh jimmy stewart lb jeffrey's love interest Mm -hmm. she went into the apartment of the guy they thought was a murderer and she was looking she found the wedding ring of the um oh yes potentially murdered wife and then she was she was in the apartment, and he walked in on her, and he caught her in there. So he was, like... And then finally the police came because LB Jeffrey saw that she was getting kind of harassed by this guy, mm-hmm. obviously, because she had evidence of murder. Yeah. And so that they came, and they showed up, and that just one shot where she had the wedding ring on her finger, and he saw it with his binoculars, mm-hmm. and then he pans up to... Um, the guy's oh. murderer's face. Yeah. And then he, like, looks up, and for the first time for the whole movie, after watching him for so long, <laughs> he, like, sees that there's someone watching him. And it's just, like, so well done, and it made it so yeah. chilling and, like... How they cut... And then they cut to... Uh, yeah, they cut to LB. Like, his shocking face. And then he, like, quickly moves back. He's like, he knows what's happening. <laughs> mm-hmm. He knows he's screwed. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. One thing, too, though, about the editing, I thought overall it was very, very good. But I feel like a couple times I noticed some, like, continuity issues. Yep, yep. I think we, we talked about that for, um, which one was it? It was the... the guy spilled his drink, the detective. Yeah. And then they came back to him, like, a few seconds later, and there was nothing like his clothes were dry and clean 
Yeah. So stuff like that I noticed a few times. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But. Like and sadly it is more noticeable maybe now or in those older movies than it is in modern times cuz I guess you can dig- digitally fix those and then re-release. But these right. they, you know they couldn't really they have to take back all of the the reels and then send new ones out. So I feel like maybe they just let it go or they didn't even yeah. notice it. Like who knows? But yeah, got to give them a little more grace on it. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. But yeah, good good point, Ellen. Good point. I forgot about that. I'm all good with editing. Yeah, me too. All right, let's move on to the acting. <laughs> yes. You start, Ellen. I think you. You were kind of excited here. Talk about <laughs> our, well, our cast. Our cast is good overall. I think we can say there's like three main characters who you see a lot besides the antagonist who mm-hmm. you don't hear say that much, but then you see him a lot and then he says a few things at the end. Mm-hmm. But I thought everyone did a really good job. Um you know, I always get frustrated with the whole, like, Grace Kelly is this uh, beautiful young person paired with what's considered to be a young man, but it's, like, 50-something-year-old yeah. Jimmy Stewart. Like, <laughs> Yeah, I agree. It's uh, not ideal. <laughs> it's yeah. annoying. And kind of the way, I mean, obviously, they portray this relationship and kind of these stereotypes about men and women Mm -hmm. that are again reinforced at the end I don't know if you caught that I'll talk about it later but um but yeah I mean James Stewart Jimmy Stewart who plays the main protagonist was like one of the top actors at this time he was in so many movies he stars in a lot of the Alfred Hitchcock movies and he's in It's a Wonderful Life all these you know classics that people time of time and time again watch every year I mean that's always on TV but he's kind of one of those like American guys American sweetheart like <laughs> one of those guys that gets all the roles yeah and argue too that Grace Kelly like not she's kind of in that same sort of category too like mm-hmm. she's in so many famous things and is so well known and like kind of um, has some, like, kind of mythical elements around her with how much she's in, like, she's in music and mm-hmm. cited in other shows and stuff, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. I think, when I think of Grace Kelly, I think of um, the movie High Society and <laughs> and the Rear Window. But yeah, um, I do like Grace Kelly. She kind of her character, while it does, she does fall into the, you know, the pit of the female lead role and kind of being this woman who... Yeah. But she also has moments of, like, independence and where she's not, you know, taking the crap from James Stewart's character. Mm-hmm. So I kind of like that, but, I mean... <laughs> We have to remember this is the 1950s again, and that it's not going to be perfectly displayed. But um, I, I think my favorite character in the movie was actually Stella, the the insurance nurse played by Thelma Ritter. 
she is like the most like sensible she is the smartest like character in the movie yeah. and and i mean it's i think they give her yeah she is perfect like the perfect character so i really enjoyed her performance i i'd rate her as probably one of the top ones um yeah, I definitely agree with that. But yeah, she they let her they let her have an important role, which I liked that she's not just this like nurse who comes in to take care of Jimmy Stewart. She's more than that. She like trying to be sensible and then she gets in on the investigation and she, you know, gives her opinions and and he believe like he trusts her and I think that's really good. Mhm. But yeah, I'm trying to think. Yeah, I think as far as the, like, women's roles, it's, like, it's frustrating. They do get some chances for, like, <laughs> their independence to show through. Yeah. But and also, to be I their feel like person. it always comes back to, like, yep. oh, he's going to tell them what to do now. Yep. <laughs> Definitely. Like, when they're like, we're going to do this, he's like, are you crazy? No, no. And then they're like, well. And he's like, no. And then they're like, okay. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, no, we're going to do it when I want to do it. <laughs> and they're like, well, we want to do it now. <laughs> mm -hmm. I think that was a, one of the frustrating things with uh, Grace Kelly's character, too, is just, like, she had that those independent moments, but, you know, like, when she went into the apartment and she went to help solve the murder, like, a big part of her motivation was her trying to prove to L.B. Jeffries that mm -hmm. she was adventurous enough to go on his worldwide explorations yeah he keeps threatening to break up with her over yeah he keeps he keeps threatening that if she's like a regular woman that she's not woman enough to be his girl which makes no sense but and then yeah she feels the need to change her persona almost into like this adventurous woman who can take risks i mean while she is like like that naturally right and she, if she wants to be, like, this fashion lady and still be a strong... Like, she can be that. Like, mm -hmm. she shouldn't have to change for you, sir. Certainly yeah. not. The motivation was the annoying part. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well... Did you have any other thoughts on characters or acting? Um... I don't know. I think that uh, Raymond Burr, who played Lars Thorwald, the antagonist... He had that creepy, like, those eyes, man. Like, <laughs> he was perfect, I think. His, per yeah. like, the way he carried his character, his self around. But, yeah, that's all I have. Mm -hmm. I thought it would, would be pretty fun to be one of those just, like, neighborhood characters. Yeah. Oh, yeah, let's, let's d t talk about those for a, a second. There was, like, they had... So they had the neighbors, and they each had their own little like, side story going on as a, like, apart from the, the murder mystery. Um, Ellen, do you want to discuss? Yeah, sure. Okay. Um, so, there's quite a few of them. One of them was, like, a newly married couple. One of them was, um, like, an, a younger man, well, maybe more middle-aged, who was, like, a singer-songwriter. So, most of the time, when you heard from him, he was playing this big grand piano. Mm -hmm. um, which plays into was, the soundtrack, which we'll talk about next. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
Um, and then there's Miss Torso, who was a ballerina dancer. And I called her that yeah, because the, I didn't know her name, obviously. The fact that he called her Miss Torso also just you know. makes me... It's okay. <laughs> I'm okay. No. I mean, yeah. It's, not it's like a Michael Scott moment where he just thinks of something to call someone. <laughs> He's like, yeah. black tie, big nose, torso <laughs> lady. Like... <laughs> Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what I thought of. <laughs> These are good connections. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, she's one of the people, and most of these are just, like, generally, he watches them, he gets, he tries to get an idea of, like, who they are just through their window. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the biggest ones, I think, was Miss Lonely Hearts. Yeah. Who is, again, that's his random name for her. Um but it's essentially because he sees her going, like, pretending she's on a date one time and then starting to cry. And then she tries going on an actual date another time and it doesn't go well. And <laughs> the man that she's with tries to force himself on her. Mm-hmm. And I think she's just, I'm not sure exactly how it connects directly with the plot but it's just like an interesting side plot I feel like yeah and I think the point of her character might have been kind of to show LB this lonely life because I think at the beginning they're talking about how he he's not really settled down and stuff but mm-hmm. so maybe it's kind of to show this lonely life what it's like to be lonely and that's maybe why he's kind of connecting to this neighbor more than the others but that's just my take on it mm-hmm. i guess it's kind of like different ways of connecting like he connects with them just like by seeing their life and some people are connecting with the piano man by hearing his music yeah. that kind of a thing yeah but yeah i enjoyed all the the neighbor characters for sure yeah I think that kind of sums most of them up. Yeah, I think so. Do you have anything to add? Uh, no, I don't think so. All right, let's move on to the the music, the score. So, yeah, as Ellen just talked about, most of the time the music we hear being played is either from the Piano Man character who is working on a piece or um, characters, like, listening to music in their apartments. It's never really like just a background score it seems like to me mm-hmm. which I like because it adds to the whole neighborhood setting it, it feels like it's part of the, the setting as opposed to just like background music you know yeah that's a good point I felt like when I was when we were like finishing up watching the movie I felt like oh I don't really remember that much about the score but yeah. I think that it's like purposeful Mm -hmm. because it's so like woven into the neighborhood yeah i agree it was a choice to have it not as a not as big and noticeable as a thing so but yeah i mean they had like just a regular piano score for the film and then they also had like songs of the times i i remember there's a part where there's a nat king cole song playing when those people when there's like a neighbor having a little get-together party and uh, Nat King Cole songs playing and, and stuff like that. So they, they they did a good job of 
an original score and stuff like that, and then adding, you know, some modern time songs, which I appreciate. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it was a lovely, jazzy, kind of mellow type feel. But when it was intense, I mean, the music picked up. I remember Ellen and I both started dancing a little bit <laughs> at the end when <laughs> the music picked up for the intense yeah. sort of scenes. That's always a good sign if the score can get you, your body engaged in dancing. I think that's a good sign. So, yeah, I appreciate yeah, especially it. for a thriller. <laughs> yeah. All Do right. Do we want to play like a little bit of the theme, or? Oh yeah, sure, sure, yeah. Okay, so uh, I'll play a little bit of the the musical score, a theme from the movie. Here we go. <laughs> Thanks for listening to that. Um, now I get a, a little bit of an insight to what we were talking about. But yeah, I mean, overall, the score for me was enjoyable. And, and it wasn't like big and grand, but it wasn't, you know, like not there. So it was fitting. For yeah, very fitting. Yes. Low key, kind of like what the movie is. Yeah. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Jinx. No, I was kidding. Um... <laughs> Any, okay, let's move on to final thoughts then. Yeah, because I guess there's not really any special effects in this. Yeah. Oh, well, I guess, actually, at the end, there is a moment of special effects when um, LB falls from his window. Ah. Did you see that? Kind of like a, a, a green screen type moment. Yeah, I remember that. It's very noticeable, obviously, <laughs> but um, it's kind of like... <laughs> It's, I like, I mean, it, it flowed with the movie. I don't think it was a big distraction. He obviously, I don't know why they just didn't use a a stunt double. It wasn't that far of a fall, but maybe they just want, I guess they wanted his face, you know, showing him falling. So that was like the only moment of special effects that I saw. Yeah. And it wasn't like a super long shot. No, it was a quick cut. So I think it was perfect. For for the time, <laughs> I mean, but yeah, all right. Final thoughts, Ellen. Yes, um, I thought that I uh, I've seen this like twice before, but I always really enjoy watching it. I feel like it's impressive how it can have so little dialogue and really action, and but still like keep me engaged. I agree. Things. Yeah, and I do think like the way it was shot is super interesting and unique and just the general themes yeah very interesting to me and i really enjoyed it thanks for sharing yeah this is this is my favorite hitchcock movie but actually i remember the first time i watched it i was really a lot younger maybe i was like nine or ten and i wasn't really into older movies (laughs) and i was not I didn't really want to watch it because I thought it was going to be boring, but then I remember I watched it and I just fell in love with it the first time I saw it with my parents. Um, but 
something about like the story and the camera work just makes me love it. And yeah, I mean, it's pretty good. It's it's a film that's taught in film history courses, film and culture courses. I mean, yes. I learned about it in my film and culture, the very first film class I ever took. And then it gets brought up all the time in other classes, like when we're talking about Hitchcock. So I think it's one of those that will always be talked about. I mean, Hitchcock will always be talked about. I will talk about him. So <laughs> um, I have the whole... I actually got a Alfred Hitchcock collection, big collection for Christmas last year that I loved. Whoa. So that's... I have, like, all of his movies, pretty much, in a collection. Are your parents big Alfred Hitchcock fans? Um, I think I think my dad is more than my mom, but my mom does love a good thriller, so I don't know. She just, she loves, they they both love Rear Window and uh, Psycho. My mom does not like the birds, because it's the birds. <laughs> but, um, uh, but yeah, no, I, I I really like this movie. Thanks for watching it with me. Um, uh, I was going to say something. Oh, Ellen, what were we? We got to get our glasses for, for Brandy. That was like a big theme. They were always drinking oh, in this yeah. movie. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh, I forgot what What was it called, like, uh... Yeah, okay, so essentially, (laughs) there was a part in the movie where the detective was over. Um, LB Jeffrey's detective friend Tom was over at their apartment, and they were having a, a drink with Lisa, and they brought up this term that neither of us had heard of, but it's called a snifter he said he couldn't handle his snifters yeah and we looked it up and it's apparently either a footed glass that is wide at the bottom and tapers to the top used for brandy or a small quantity of an alcoholic drink so so catch us with our snifters from now on folks that's our favorite so classy (laughs) we are classy we are snifting and we're living what can we say so on our next episode, join us for a nice snifter. Oh yes, we invite you for that. All right, Ellen, I think uh, I think we covered everything. We yes, thanks it everyone all the way. for joining us. Yeah, thanks. Hope this virtual, as much as I love sitting in my home, I'd much rather be in person with Ellen discussing and watching. Agreed. Hopefully we can get back to that. We don't know depends on the situations but we're here for you we we promise we're gonna start putting out more episodes now that we know this works maybe we'll get more out more often so that i don't have to come home but um (laughs) but yeah thanks for tuning in for rear window directed by alfred hitchcock it was a great watch and a great discussion ellen i appreciate you uh zooming or not zooming google uh meeting the movie and calling in to discuss and let us know you guys we need let us know what you think about movies you want us to watch because we haven't gotten any suggestions dm us feel free to dm us feel free to message us if you know us um we're hoping to cover a lot more so yeah and if you want to be a part of the podcast more in any way just reach out yes Yes. Um, All right. I think coming up, we just have our we have our special holiday episodes coming up, and then uh, 
and then some special guests to close out the year. So stay tuned, stay updated on our Instagram, Twitter, and our Spotify or Apple podcast, whatever you listen to us on. And we'll get those out to you next. Through butter, sweat, and tears. We'll see you next time. See ya.